you pained listeners out there. Welcome to the Royals Rundown Podcast with myself, Jake Milham. I am laughing so I don't cry. Jeremy Greco is with me as always. Jeremy, are you are you crying? Are you laughing? Like what are what are you doing right now? Uh you know, I was crying earlier. I think I'm just kind of in a state of uh don't curse. Uh <laughs> <laughs> don't don't curse us early. Don't curse us early. Don't make it's, a, it's, go away. it's a fugue state, uh, I'll say. How about uh, that? Yes. Yes, yes. Okay. Well, I think this this is an interesting dynamic that we haven't had before recording the podcast because the the game happened earlier today. So right now we're recording at uh, 7.30 Eastern Standard Time. So I think the game wrapped probably about three hours ago now. And we've gotten, you know, there's we're not recording when there's hope of them winning a game. They've already lost the host <laughs> and... It is. It is so bad. It is so bad, Jeremy. I don't even know. <laughs> oh, all right. All right. Let's okay. <clears throat> Back on track, Jacob. Get there. Come on, man. All right. Let's you present. I believe in you. I, I appreciate it because I don't believe myself. Anyways, let's get some facts from Joel Goldberg himself, because th- this man, you know, he he doesn't get on Twitter. He gets on Twitter a lot. But like when he talks about the Royals specifically, it's uh, it's not good this season so far. So he just tells the facts. I'm going to read the whole tweet to you. Royals lose 12 to three. Okay, that is an undeniable fact. They absolutely imploded today. Six, so many, so many runs. So so many runs. Oh, don't worry. He talks about the runs later on in the tweet. Let's let's continue though. Sixth straight loss. We are in game number 19. Our the length of this season is almost old enough to drink and they're losing. Anyways, six straight loss marks the end of an 0 and six homestand. Wow. What, what great stuff. What great stuff for our fans to go watch out in Coffin stadium, right? Jeremy, would you like, how much money would you pay in total to go to a game of Coffin stadium right now? Uh, who are they playing? Shohei Otani pitching? Because that might be worth watching. I mean, maybe, maybe the Dodgers coming to town. I don't know, something like that. The here's here's my thing. I was watching Sunday's game. Who was pitching Sunday? Oh, uh, oh who was it? Wow, that that guy who was not good, and then he was he finally just last year was suddenly really good oh that and then guy he had a really bad yeah that guy for atlanta yeah. <laughs> uh not not a, not exactly a household name outside of atlanta though i guess he, he's getting his own bobblehead this year so good for Ooh, him good for him um because i remember seeing they had a commercial for three different guys getting bobbleheads and he was one of them i remember that much it's a lot of bobbleheads um huh uh what that's a lot of bobbleheads a lot of bobbleheads. I thought you said why bobbleheads? <laughs> because the bobble baseball and bobbleheads. I don't people know. Love, people love bobbleheads. Why are you asking questions? Why why bobbleheads is a question that's too existential <laughs> for me to answer right now. And on the next episode, why bobblehead? Not not plural. Singular. I was so I was sitting there watching this game with this guy that I cannot name for to save my life. 
with my grandma Sunday afternoon. And I'm like, he's going to throw a no hitter. It's going to, it's going to happen right now. I'm going to watch my first <laughs> no hitter uh, since I think it was Bud Smith threw one for the Cardinals back in like 2001. Um, and it's, uh, it's going to be some guy that no one knows about and it's going to be against the Royals. And uh, he ended up getting, they gave up a hit in the fourth inning, but other, I mean, the Roy- and that was the game, actually, the, the most competitive game the Royals had on the homestand where they tied it going into the ninth inning and still lost. Yep. Correct. Yeah, we, uh, well, we, yeah, we, torched, we torched Scott Barlow sufficiently after that game, I think. Jeez. Oh, oh but wait. Another let's, let's three get, let, today. Let's, let's get back to Joel's tweet, you know, talking about runs scored. Texas oh, yeah, yeah. outscored Kansas City 28-5. to in the series. That's a lot of runs they could have saved for other competent teams. I I know, right? Like, I can we take those five runs and maybe just apply them? I don't want to, to the athletics. Like, is that the next competitive seat series we're going to see out of Kansas City Royals when the athletics come to town? I don't know. I know. I the I, Rangers are wasting runs on the Royals. Oh, I don't know why oh. you do that. Well, I mean, you know what? That's that's true. They have to, you know, they're all about money down there in, in Texas. Everything's bigger in Texas. Well, everything's bigger in Coffin Stadium, too, apparently. God. At least your run totals are. Yeah, no doubt. No freaking doubt. I mean, what? Let's let, let's look at the let's look at the log. So outside of the yeah, outside of the the 10 one win where the Royals won Brad Keller's second to last start the rangers have not scored less than four runs against the royals so and it goes let's see here it goes 11 runs eight runs one run that lone win and then four 12 and 12 I... that math ain't good my man <laughs> it is so frustrating you know, even when the Royals have been bad in April, I've been able to convince myself that there's something worth watching, something I care about. Um, and, and, you know, even if I won't make time for games when the Royals are this bad, um, this early in the season, if a game is on and I'm not doing anything else, I will turn it on at least. Yeah. Uh, except not this year. Because <laughs> this afternoon, I'm on vacation right now. I didn't turn that game on. I said, you know what? I don't need to watch this. <laughs> I don't need to put myself in a bad mood this afternoon. But really, so, okay. Exactly. We're, 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 we're both out here on the East Coast. So the game actually started at 2.10. So kind of work was winding down for me in, in the office today. So I I put the game on. I watched a little bit of it. So and funny. then it is, what did you say? I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I got to listen to the little comeback a little bit, you know, they made it five to three. They made it interesting a little bit. And I, I forget what I was doing. I think, I think I had a phone call with someone and then I turned it back on immediately after Taylor Clark's out at like inning where he gave up all those runs. And I'm just like, what the heck happened? Where did this come from? Taylor Clark, I thought you were nails. I thought you were the bases loaded wonder. I got to tell you, I, I 
was not super everyone was going on about oh he's he, he struck out the three guys to save that giants game oh man that's so cool and i was like yeah but he walked the bases <laughs> first <laughs> we, we all think about that part concerning to me like it, i like if he came, comes in with the bases loaded and like okay now what are you gonna do you strike out three betters hey good job but if you're the guy that walks the bases loaded first i'm like i'm a little bit concerned i need to see more to to feel like this is actually a positive and not just a houdini <laughs> act so let me let me put it to you like this you know greg, greg walker he's usually on the podcast with us uh really really like having his input on stuff like this and Unfortunately for him, the Royals drained him so much that he had to write the recap for today's game and said, I can't say the word Royals again. I can't think about Brady Singer one more time. I'm sorry, guys. Take the podcast. And yeah. he he went into detail. Tots yeah, tot, tots and pears, my man. All right, tots and pears to you. And he detailed how Taylor Clark's seven, seventh inning went because sometimes it's just like two or three hits that really make make an inning. But this guy got nickel and dimed like a nickel and dime store back in the thirties. Okay. So catcher's interference, then a strikeout. So, okay, maybe he can get out of this, then a walk, then a single, then another strikeout. Maybe he can get out of this again. No, then a single, then a double and then another single. So he, it's like that gif of uh of Bugs Bunny going around the around the bases and the guys still just throwing pitches in the in the middle of this conga line. Yeah, 32 it, 32 pitches for Taylor Clark. Absolutely put the nail in the coffin for the Royals coming back. Uh, I I am reminded that before the season started, uh David Lesky, who used to write for Royals Review, he's got his own uh Substack. Good good read. Go oh, check yeah. it out. Um he said, well, at least the bullpen should be good this year. <sighs> and uh, I believed him like like the silly <laughs> fool that I am. I said, well, at least the bullpen will be good this year. And I think the batters might be better than, than we're afraid they're going to be. And I, of course, been high on the starting pitching. I was like, oh, yeah, those coaches are going to come in here. They're going to make a huge difference. Mm -hmm. And here we are. It started off good. Yeah. Starting yeah. pitchers at least. Oh my gosh. It is. So look, we're and then our we we've already we've already pushed Scott Barlow into the ground enough. We don't need to talk about him again. But the home run issues came up again. He gave up three earned runs. Just absolutely does not look like his old self. It is, is I know I know you said we're not gonna talk about it again, but I'm gonna talk about it again because oh I'm just boy. this is exactly Exactly what we've seen in the past from fling throwing relievers when they don't have it anymore. Yeah. When they lose just a little bit on that slider or that splitter or a little bit on their fastball. And all of a sudden, all those pitches that were getting fouled off or they were getting whiffs, they start getting hammered. Yep. And they have absolutely. And they don't know how to succeed without the absolute gas anymore. Mm-hmm. So Scott Barlow, Scott Barlow might be good again in the future. He might learn how to pitch in a different way. We've seen it happen before, yeah. but he's not, I, he's, he's not going to be good this year. He's going to be awful. Uh, his trade value will be negative. Uh, and, and I'm sure the front office are all kicking themselves collectively for not having traded him before now. Oh yeah. I, I, I did a piece on Scott Barlow after his last appearance um, on Kings of Kaufman. It was two truths and a lie about Scott Barlow. 
and I had you know talked about him so far in the 2023 season. I touched on his trade value a little bit. That ruffled some feathers. But all this, I've I already put out the Royals recap episode. That is already up. It's in the it's in your feed. If you're listening to this podcast, you can get the full rundown on on Wednesday's game. But Jeremy, like, how can how can Royals fans walk away from this homestand? Like they're, they're not going to see the team again until May. And this is the last taste of, of the team that they're going to have for, for nearly two weeks. And it's going to be not only losing, but losing badly and not looking like a competent baseball team while, and I understand it's baseball talk, but still to casual fans, it is grating. It's like taking a cheese grater to my teeth where Matt Cotrero is talking about, okay, well, all we can do is come out the very next day and uh, do it again. Do it. Do it again. Well, when you're doing it again, what is freaking happening? It's losing. We don't like losing. Jeremy, take, take it before I start yelling. So this year, MLB TV added a really great feature. Uh, where you can watch, uh, you can watch minor league games with the MLB TV package, and uh, uh, I see Omaha is on there all the time. I don't know if the other seasons have started yet, but Omaha is on there. So uh, you know, you want to watch, you want to watch some baseball that doesn't piss you off so much, piss you off so bad, or tick you off so bad if you prefer. Uh, you know, go watch the offensive half of the. The Omaha games. Don't watch the yeah. pitchers. No, nope, don't watch the sakes. Don't watch nope. the Omaha pitchers. But watch the hitters. They they look pretty fun. Except they, for Nick Prado. Yeah, he's been he's been struggling. Logan Porter's been a been an absolute delight. Nick Lofton, old old twenty five pounds of muscle added in the offseason. Nick Lofton is just crushing balls. And then Michael Garcia and Samad Taylor are still making their their roster cases in Omaha. Like there's see that that's the thing. There's so much to watch in Omaha that you can see like, okay, this person is progressing and getting better and can actually contribute to the Royals. While we have the actual Royals who are like, well, it's a dang shame. Salvador Perez is going to end his career on a losing team. Isn't he? All I have to say is that unfortunately, I think we saw these guys succeed. We saw him. Melinda's have a, True. Excellent season in the minor league. True. We've seen Edward Olivares tear up triple A year after year and wonder why he couldn't get a chance. Uh, Michael Massey hit, had some, some pretty good minor league stuff. So uh, it doesn't always translate, but you know, if we just all switch our loyalties, it should be an easy switch to switch our loyalties to the Omaha storm chasers and just forget major league baseball entirely. <laughs> just start watching some minor league baseball. I think we might have a better time. We, we might, we might. And we both, we both have um, praised Alex Duvall in the past of, of Royals farm report, but now I understand why he focused on the farm system so much because <laughs> because the actual major league team is so frustrating and when you're yeah. still a prospect and anything is possible that's yep. that is that's the true reality of it we're not not saying michael garcia is going to be the second coming of of insert great shortstop here 
I mean, he might just be a, a utility guy at the grand scheme of things, but right now he's doing great. And so he can be anything, but CJ Alexander, we, we didn't even mention him. CJ Alexander yeah. got that George Brett seal of approval. Yeah, that, that he did. That was so cool. That was really cool to see during spring training. And he has carried his spring training performance over to yep. Omaha. So very much kind of the forgotten piece of that Atlanta Braves trade. Mm-hmm. If I, if I recall correctly, where we got drew waters back. Um, so that sure. that's been, that's been pretty, pretty cool to see, but speaking of batters uh, later on in the episode, Jeremy and I, we are going to sit down and talk about MJ Melendez a little bit, talking about some of the fan criticisms of him and really just how his season has been so far, but we have to take a quick ad break. So please stay tuned. And we are back here on the Royals rundown with Jacob Milham and Jeremy Greco. So Jeremy, I, I did start doing the Royals recap this season. First time I've ever done anything like that. And I think the, you are a brave, brave. So my gosh, I do have, I will say I found, I have a different tone on those episodes sometimes because it is very much a, I wouldn't call it an unfiltered response to each individual games, but I allow myself to be a little bit more honed in on that one game. So it's, it it could be, it could be pretty frustrating though. I'm sure it's frustrating to listen to though as well. That's why nobody subscribed. Anyways, <laughs> the the only other person I could think of that's done that for the Royals in the past is is Josh Vernier, who still does it for every single Royals game. And so I went and I was like, you know what? Maybe maybe he has some different ideas. Maybe you know what am I doing? What is he doing differently that I could emulate? And I'm not I'm not above one to say like, hey. Josh, you're doing this great thing, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, follow your footsteps, aka steal it. But anyways, he he gets fan calls on his post game shows, which I think is very cool. Now, some of those you think our takes are wild. Go listen to those <laughs> phone calls because some of them are crazy. Like some of them are are doing the beer and inning challenge and then calling in Josh Vermeer. <laughs> it is it is weird sometimes, but one that I have heard consistently over the past two games, which so that would be Tuesday's game and Monday's game that I listened to the episodes for, is that MJ Melendez is not a major league player, not batter, not catcher player all around. So Jeremy, I, I gave you a heads up on, on this one because I really want to get your, your opinion in the is, I mean, is MJM a major league player in your opinion? Does he deserve to be in Kansas city? So let's go back to, a little bit before last year started, a little bit before 2022 spring training. And a lot of people were talking about how uh, there had been kind of a turnaround in the minor league system. Some of these hitters that we weren't sure about were starting to starting to hit. And boy, that pitching still wasn't there, though. And if the team wanted to be competitive, they might need to trade from a position of strength to get some pitching. And the names that were most commonly thrown around in, in the fan area, I think, were uh, MJ Melendez and Nick Prado. And I'm here to tell you 
that of the two, I prefer trading NJ Melendez. I still prefer trading NJ Melendez. Uh, I am not convinced that he is a major league player. I know the metrics say he's been better in the outfield and better behind the plate defensively this year, but we have tiny sample sizes and those things take forever to stabilize. I know that the, the batted ball metrics say he's hitting the ball harder than ever. He's still got good launch angles and that, uh, that his, his, his expected uh, batting average and, and all these other things would suggest that he's been extremely unlucky and that he should be hitting very well, but that strikeout rate, he's striking out almost a third of the time right now. And you can't expect the strikeouts to come down without expecting the batted ball luck or the batted ball statistics to, to regress a bit as well. Um, and I just watch him at the plate and I, I haven't been able to look up. I, I, I need to, and I tried to earlier and I couldn't find it on the sites I was looking at, but I can't, I, I need to look up what his hot zones and his cold zones are for the strike zone, because it feels like anything on the inner half, he's not going to touch feels like anything um, on the upper half. He's going to flail hopelessly at, and it really needs to be kind of low in a way. And if it is, he'll absolutely crush it. Assuming he makes contact with it, but there's absolutely no reason to throw him a pitch down there. Cause you throw him a pitch high and inside in the strike zone and he can't get his elbows in enough to make contact with the ball. And he just flails at it miserably. Um, and watching that swing, it does not look like a major league swing to me. It looks like a four a swing to me. Like, Oh yeah. If you don't control your pitches, good. This guy will absolutely demolish you. But as long as you can consistently throw it, uh, kind of towards the upper or inner or both half, then, uh, you're going to have plenty of success against him. I know people have, have asked for a long time. Why would you throw Salvador Perez anything other than sliders low and away? Cause he swings at every slider low and away. But when you miss some sliders low and away, and if you miss by just a little bit, Salvi's going to, he's going to get it and he's going to hit it hard somewhere. Whereas MJ Melendez, if you throw him high and in, it, you, you, you can miss. He's still not going to touch it. It's, it's bad. And, and I'm, I'm just not sold at all. I, I, I don't know what the Royals can do about it. I, I really wish they traded him while he was just a hot minor leaguer, but, uh, and, and maybe I'm wrong. Like I said, I haven't been able to look up the stats to see like, you know, am I, is, is what I'm seeing does do the stats confirm my eye test or not, but it just does not look good. It it really doesn't. And so much i mean i guess he's he is still very much riding the goodwill of that 41 home run season that he had across double a and triple a and he was so, he was incredibly hot when he got promoted last year he was for the first 3 months he was he was on fire hey i just uh, i just sent you his uh his chart so i really want you to take a look at it cuz it is it's worse than i could have imagined yeah yeah so that matches up it it really does. Saying. So everyone who's, who isn't looking at the chart, which is everyone in the universe except for Jeremy and Jacob here, the <laughs> the strike zone is divided into um, nine different zones, right? For MJ, his only hot zone, his only positive zone, I guess you could say, is in the middle in the lower half of the zone. The entire half of the zone that is on the inside of his hands 
nothing. Absolutely ice cold. Zero batting average across the board. So he only has like, and to your point, everything up top is zero as well. So it's, it's not a great look for him. Um, he's almost, well, I wouldn't say almost, it almost looks like he has regressed from his 2022 self, like just the eye test. I know. And actually later on in this episode, we do have um, a new guest who talks more about the analytics of baseball and how they can change, especially early in the season very quickly. But just in the eye test, he doesn't, he doesn't look like the same batter that fans saw in 2022. So I don't know. I don't know what's changed. I don't know. Maybe the hitting coaches are telling him to try something new and hopefully they recognize that it's not working or it's not producing, I guess, because Jeremy let's, let's go back to the, the early season. And what was everyone talking about that the Royals were doing? They were hitting the ball hard. They're mm-hmm. getting good ta- contact on it. And MJ is doing that. Yep. But he's and not producing. Some of the other guys, he has the long jingle to match it. He does. He's still hitting line drives and fly balls. That is true. I will. It's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, yeah, that's the thing. So let me also, some I didn't even look at are his, are his splits. Okay. Because sometimes that does matter. Like Zach Greinke is a completely different pitcher away from Kauffman stadium it has been for the past couple of seasons. In away games this year, MJ has a 286 batting average and a 699 OPS. While he's at home, he has a .093 batting average and a 440 OPS. Like, I know very, very small number of games. It depends on the matchups and things like that. But I think the I think he is just more adept at getting hits on the road away from Kaufman. So maybe you should trade him. What do you think? <laughs> the entire team has been better at hitting on the road than at home so far yeah, this year. That's true. So that's true. I, there may be an element of putting pressure on themselves. I'm not really sure what thought processes are happening or what, what kind of coaching processes are happening. Obviously not privy to that information, <laughs> but um, th- there's something going on because they had a three and three road trip, which is what you want road trips generally you want them to yeah. be 500 and then you want to try and win at home um and that is they, they had the five the three and three road trip and we'll see what they do with this next road trip maybe they'll turn everything around and everyone will be like excited when they come back in may but it's, uh, it's the the homes the home hitting is just and the home pitching is not there either no, it's really it's, not it's I don't even know what to to do or think at this point. I, it's all small sample sizes and it's all, it's all bad. Yeah, it, it really even, is. Even that OPS that you quoted for MJ Melendez on the road is not ideal. Nope. No, like it's you not. can live with that. If you, if he's an excellent defensive catcher, if he's going to be primarily an outfielder, not enough. No, no, not at all. I'm not. And it still seems like we're grading so much of the batting performances on a curve. Mm-hmm. I don't even know. I think Matt Duffy still has the best batting average on the Kansas well, he's City got Royals. Like a three fifty something batting average, so it's hard to beat that. But yeah, that it is. 
That it is. Hey, you know, we're, we're diving in way too deep on the numbers here. Let's uh, let's let our new debuting podcast host, uh, Mr. Brian Henry, talk about that real fast. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Royals rundown. It's Jake Milham here, and I have a new guest on today. I have Brian Henry of Royals review, but if you don't recognize that name, don't worry. I didn't either at first. It is the man behind Royal treatment. Brian, how are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing great. How are you doing? All right. Can't complain one bit. Um, I will say for some reason I sat in two and a half hours of traffic this morning. So my oh. day has been, uh, <laughs> has been like delayed the entire time. So I feel like I haven't done anything and what it's uh it's six o'clock my time, five o'clock yours. So, uh, I should be winding down. I, I think I'll wind down with you, Brian, but Hey, so Brian here, I, I approached Brian with, you know, I'm, I want to do some new things with the podcast and there is, because I'm, I don't consider myself an expert at all, Brian. I, I ain't gonna lie to you. I'm still learning every single day, you know, the different stuff from pitchers list, the different stuff from fan, from fan graphs, from Savant. There's so many different sources of advanced metrics for MLB baseball. So Brian, I wanted you to kind of talk about some of these advanced metrics that fans might see and kind of break it down, how it applies to the Royals, things like that. So Brian, the floor is yours, my friend. Sure. Um, I would not consider myself an expert either. I'm not exactly Tom Tango. I'm not creating anything new here, but um, I do like statistics and uh, I've been doing it for a long time in some form or fashion. So um, I just want to talk about a couple of different things today and kind of lay out um, how early season statistics behave a little bit and also kind of just key in on one stat at a time. And so I want to talk a little bit about WRC plus and how Bobby Wade Jr. has started out the season because even a couple days ago on The Athletic, I read something and they were saying how Bobby Witt was off to a really bad start, mm-hmm. which kind of annoyed me because that was <laughs> true a week or so ago, but it's really not anymore um, because of how volatile statistics are early on. So I'll give you a little background on WRC Plus and then I'll go into what Bobby's done so um, so again, when you have something like that, it's actually uh, weighted runs created is uh, is what the WRC stands for, and it runs off of WOBA, um, which is weighted on base average. Um, any of these and also OPS plus and anything else in kind of that genre run off what are called linear weight models. Um, okay. So WOBA is um, calculated basically by taking each. Um, so if you take singles, you take every base out state. Um, so if you hit a single with a guy at first, you hit a guy with a single on se- uh, a single with a guy in second. Versus if you hit a guy a single with a guy on all three bases or no, but nobody, how many outs are there, et cetera, et cetera, and it says how many runs are going to score because of that. Okay, and so you get kind of an average. What is a single worth, and then what is a double worth? What is a walk worth? And you can then use that linear model. Um, so like, for instance, a home run is worth, I think 2.1 and then year to year, it shifts a little bit, um, based on the run, um, environment. Well, Brian, I was going to, I I was going to actually interject here real fast. So just so everyone is aware, um, you're talking about the weights of these, of these different facets of the game, singles, doubles, walks, et cetera, et cetera. So does in weighted runs created plus, does that change based on a ballpark or the era that the game is in? Yeah, so WRC Plus does adjust for park factors. Um, okay. Yeah. 
at the very end. That's one of the last things it does. But okay. so it just has kind of this basic, what is a home run worth? What is a single worth? What is a strikeout worth, right? Which would be negative. Um, and then as you have outcomes happen, it just accumulates those into weighted runs. And then that becomes your WOBA. And then the actual WRC plus is WOBA minus league WOBA. So it takes like the difference of your WOBA from league WOBA, which again, if you're above average, you'll be positive. If you're, if you're below average, it'll be negative. And then it uses that with this WOBA scale and league runs per, um, per at bat or no per plate appearance, sorry. And then that becomes your WRC plus basically. And there's some other adjustments. Like I okay. said, there's some park factors and things in there as well. I won't get any deeper into the math than that because <laughs> it, gets, it gets a little intense, um, but that is, that is the basic idea. And that way, if you hit a home run anytime, it's worth the same amount. And so it strips out the context factors. Gotcha. And you think, well, that's unfair. If you hit a grand slam, you only get 2.1 runs created. But if you hit a solo home run, you also get 2.1, you know, so that way you're not, it balances out. Yeah. You're not dependent on the people around you to get those. And so it strips out the context a little bit so we can get an idea of what that would look like in a more general sense. Okay. That's a great point. Anyway, Bobby Witt, this didn't get off to a bad start this, this season (laughs) as did basically the entire team. Yeah. Um, so the first 10 games, Bobby Witt really struggled. Um, he was hitting, uh, uh, oh, and WRC plus, I guess we should lay out. Then what it does is, uh, sets averages a hundred, right? Okay. Um, So if you have a hundred WRC plus, you're a league average hitter. Oh yeah. 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 If you have 110, you're a 10% better than average. If you're a 90, you're 10% worse than average, right? Mm-hmm. And Bobby, after 10 games, was at a 40 WRC plus. So he was 40. He was 40% of the league average hitter, which is definitely not where we were hoping he would be. No, no, not at all. <laughs> then the next five games, he racked up what 12 hits <laughs> goodness yeah that's true had uh four multi-hit games and you know multiple three hit games in a row that over that five game span he had a 270 wrc plus Man. uh and all of a sudden he's back well above average again right. and that's the thing with with early season statistics is you can have a guy that looks horrible you know 40 wrc plus and then a week later they look fine or yeah. even better than fine um, and it's just really volatile and you never know. And, and since those first 10 games, um, well, at least through last night, Bobby was at, uh, 143 WRC plus the, since the first 10 games. And then at the end of today's game, after you net all that out, after the home run, he's at 111. Okay. So he's about 11% above average right now. So again, doing pretty well, honestly, uh, last yep. year he was right at league average and he's better than that right now. So we're seeing some progress and he's walking a little bit more striking out a little bit less, which we like to see. Um, I would rather see him strike out less because, um, he's not chasing, but that mm-hmm. isn't, he's really chasing about the same amount. He's actually striking out less because his contact rates have been a little better than last year. So we'll kind of see how that plays out as we go further, but he is, he's hitting the ball pretty well. Um, and he's more dangerous on the base paths than ever. And so really offensively, he's, he's provided quite a bit of value early in the season. Yeah, certainly, certainly sounds like it. Um, so Brian, I do, I do have to ask you this about, you're talking about the volatility of, of some of these advanced metrics. 
especially early on in the season when you have a, a very small sample size, because you got to think about it, what we're on. Wow. I've, I've already lost 19. track game 19. Yes. Thank yeah, you. I think game we're on 19. 19. So at what, at what game number do you think like it's, it's fair to draw a conclusion on the player season? Are we talking game 40 yeah. game 60? What, what, what do you think? Yeah, it really depends on the statistic. Um, okay. Again, batting average, you know, classically was the one people love takes over a year <laughs> to yeah, stabilize. Um, yeah. You know, so like, that's why one of the reasons why we got away from batting average, whereas, uh, you know, uh, swinging swinging strike rates things like that can stabilize like you said 30 40 50 plate appearances you can start okay. to see it stabilize so some things um will stabilize really quickly um i would say wrc plus you're looking at before i would really trust that it's going to be in a in, in a again you're still plus minus whatever you're at but yeah um within a band where you're you're not going to drop off a cliff or all of a sudden become amazing if you're really bad um, is probably in the like 250, 300 plate appearances, about half a season. Okay. Um, I'd, ha I'd have to look. Fangrass has a stabilization rate yeah. sheet that I always check if I'm trying to figure out when things kind of level out. Okay. Because again, stat to stat, it's a little bit different. Um, I so will. Some so. things are really volatile, some things are less. I'm gonna I'm gonna completely derail the conversation for a second. Sure. I I love fan graphs and I love how many stats that they give you and how detailed and especially their glossary that really it, it breaks down what each one is by acronym. So you're not you're not just guessing like, well, what the what the heck is U Z R? What what in the world is that? But yeah. I will say this: it burns my poor computer up. Fangraphs <laughs> takes so much of my RAM; it is ridiculous. So I do not suggest getting on it if you, if you're working off of a an old Mac I, or something uh, like that. I recommend getting the uh, yearly um, membership for okay. sixty dollars, and it will take out the ads. And then you're right; it, without the ads, it runs a lot smoother. Okay, um, again, know. I know not everybody wants to pay the money for that, but uh, I I tend to because i want to support them more than anything but it is um, it, it is worth it i know um they they used to have like a monthly option and i think yeah, I, they I think still I used do. to they still do they okay yeah so back when they yep. had a monthly option i i paid for um for a season's worth of of fan graphs yep. and i was super did you catch the other day where they released like three royals articles in a row yeah about yeah. like i think it was <laughs> mj Nate Eaton in relief, and there was there's someone else I'm blanking on. It might have been. Uh, it was Bubich was the yeah thing. yeah. So yep. Well, good stuff, good stuff. Please, uh, Brian, I'm sorry, I I had to go down that route. I will hole. say, I will say, the Fangraphs membership now, though, if you want to export data, which is the, my favorite thing that they do, you do have to have a membership now. So oh. uh, if you're used to getting free tables and data from their leaderboards, that's uh, now only member gated. So gotcha. Uh, anyway. Gotcha. <laughs> well, hey, well, yep. You know what? Always, always evolving. The the world around us is, and the business models have to as well. So, um, Brian, what, what else, what else can we learn about some of these early season well, that, stats in WRC plus? That is where I'd say also the nice thing about early season, even if things have to stabilize, it helps me kind of look at when you're not entirely sure what the run environment is yet, mm. when you're not entirely sure how different players in, in their, like, if they're playing a little differently. So for instance, like Nikki Lopez this year looks a little different than he did last yeah. year. Um, so last year he hit 227, 280, or yeah, 281, 273, um, oof, uh, 57 yeah. WRC plus. Um, 
And then you look at his line this year and it's 184, which is significantly worse. Mm-hmm. 311, 316. So he's actually getting on base a little bit better. Okay. Slugging a little more, although him slugging is still, you know, <laughs> it's all relative. But, um, but he is, he's walking more. He's doing a little, which, which if you want Nicky Lopez to become a useful player, that's really what he's got to do is become more consistent about getting on base because he's never going to hit home runs. And we already know that. And so his, his WRC plus is actually 79. So it's, it's not great by any stretch, but it's a lot better than last year, just because he's walking a little bit more, getting a couple doubles in there. Um, and, and that's going to make him a little, and, and again, hopefully that'll maintain, but I mean, his walker right now is 13% versus his career is about seven. Wow. Uh, and last year it was six. And so if he can double his walker, that makes him a lot more valuable player all of a sudden because his defense is just so good. It is. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he's definitely a valuable bench player for any team. I even, you know, it doesn't matter what team they would all love to have him as a defensive sub a utility guy because he can play everywhere on the infield, but the bat just needs to learn how to be a little bit more valuable. Cause even if yeah. he could only, if he could get up to 90 WRC plus consistently, sure. he would be a valuable player, uh, a very like an everyday level player, I think. So of course um, I, yeah. I even think his, uh, like in 2021, which is kind of considered his outlier year, as far yeah. as performance at the plate goes, I don't think his WRC plus was like otherworldly, even oh, like the other hundred ish. Yeah. It was like a hundred and eight or a hundred and ten, somewhere, somewhere in that range. Yeah. It was somewhere just above average. Um, and that was mostly Babbitt driven. It was one Oh five. Yeah. See? Um, so I mean, yeah, it was still pretty. Eh. Yeah. And then that's six wins. <laughs> I mean, he was defensively worth a lot. And again, he was, we could, I, I'm that's little, that's for another time. <laughs> I always kind of want to regress those back a little bit. Some, you know, just in one year, but uh, anyway, his defense is consistently good and we know it's good and not just a little bit good. Like every year it's better than, than most by quite a bit. And so okay. he's worth a lot. If he can just not be a, a, a given out every time yeah. in the lineup. Right. Yeah. Kind of like um, how he was last year at, at points. Yeah. What? And so the yeah. The other thing I kind of do with this is like right now, if you look at the leaderboards and kind of just like looking outside the Royals, there's a lot of stuff going on too. You can kind of look at players who are breaking out early um, and, and kind of see if you think they look real or not. And again, you start bringing in some other stats. I won't go into too much depth, but like Matt Chapman Mm -hmm. is the leader right now in the major league baseball, 252 WRC plus. (laughs) He also has almost a 500 Babbitt. So I'm going to assume that regresses a little bit. I would Um, hope so. Luis Arise is also kind of like that. He's like 481 Babbitt. Um, And so he's over 200. So, I mean, that's the thing with early statistics. Sometimes you get lucky for a little bit and it makes it look look like you're otherworldly. But there's even guys like Brandon, I think it's Lau, there's low and loud, but I'm pretty sure Brandon's allow um, for Tampa Bay. <laughs> Is it 195? And it actually looks pretty real. Um, okay. And so, if you start wanting start want to start looking at who's going to really break out for the year, I, I would start looking at guys like him, where a 195 WRC plus is otherworldly. I mean, seven seasons in this decade, or I'm sorry, in this century since 2000 have been above 195. So like wow. he's in a in a stratosphere where like and four of those were very balanced. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so like uh, Judge last year, Harper in 2015, and uh, Soto in 2020, which was a, a short season. So 
he's probably not going to stay at 195, but he's he's below a 300 bat. He's got 195 WRC plus. He's doing everything well. Um, so you can also kind of use it to kind of look at at that sort of thing. Where hey, if I know a couple other things, who's really kind of doing it a way that that's sustainable versus not sustainable as well. Okay. Um, and so, and that's where like Vinny uh, is probably the best hitter on the Royals right now. I don't think it's even arguable. Um, no, no, I don't think so. For the last five months or so anyway, you know, four months last yeah. year. Yeah. And, and when you look at it, it's because the extreme contact rates, he walks all the time. He doesn't strike out hits for power. I mean, he's just a complete hitter. Um, he led the Royals last year at a 137. So 37% better than the average hitter in baseball. And that was after a slow start. Yeah, <laughs> that it was. That's true. I forgot about that. And then this year, he's already after today's game. He was at one forty four. Um, so he's he's in a level where, like, you start saying before long, if he keeps this up, you can you can say things like the Royals have developed a pure hitter like this since, and it would start being Mike Sweeney. Mm-hmm. And if he keeps going even a little higher, you might even say George Brett. Wow. He, he could end up being one of the best pure hitters we've ever seen as a Royal, the way he looks right now. Um, and so, I mean, again, he hasn't been around very long and he's got yeah. this for several years. We've seen guys do this for a few years and then kind of fall apart. So that does happen, but his approach is really good and he hits the ball hard and he doesn't strike out. And that's a good combination. So, Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Hopefully that'll be win- leading to some more wins in the, in the column here before too long for our Kansas city Please. Royals, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm begging you. I'm begging yeah. you, Benny, just will them every, on. <laughs> every morning my son wakes up after cause the game's not over and he goes to bed and says, did the Royals win? And I'm like, no, oh, <laughs> every night. Russian dreams out here, man. Well, hey, hey, Brian, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for that, for that breakdown and the explanation of those, of those two stats. That is, um, it is very going to be very interesting to see how they change and fluctuate over the next, you know, month, two months and into September. So I'm hoping to, hoping to have you on more regularly and we'll, we'll keep tabs on these things and uh, just educate our listeners a little bit more. Does that sound good to you? Sounds great. All right. Well, Hey, Brian, if, are, are you, are you active on social media at all? Not really. No, not really. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't have a Twitter. I don't, I don't really do much other than right. Well, hey, review, so. I was about, I was about to say, please plug where can people find your work at? Yeah. I, I try to write about once a week or so on Royals review under the name Royal treatment. Um, I have too generic of a name. Um, and my name was taken when I signed up for a, an account. So, Boo. <laughs> um, but Royal treatment, I, I show up once, like I said, once a week or so, and occasionally more often, like the other night I was trying to find something to do while watching the game. Cause I didn't want to watch it too closely anymore. And that's that yeah. where that Scott Barlow article came from. So, okay, there you go. Yeah. That, that was a really, a really good read. Um, everyone, if you go check that out on royalsreview.com, it should still be fairly high up in the, yeah. in the rotator. So please Although go. It won't improve your mood any, but <laughs> no, uh, I don't think any articles in regards to Scott Barlow are going to be doing that no. anytime soon. All righty, Brian. Well, Hey, we're going to get over to our Royals review reviews, but thank you so much for your education and your explanation of these stats. Okay. Thank you. All right. So thank you so much, Brian, for coming on, making your debut here on the Royals rundown. Great stuff. Please go check out his writing 
um, is, of course, his name on Royals Review is Royal Treatment. He still has that piece up about Scott Barlow, which I uh, I know. Jeremy, have you read that one? I did. I found it pretty interesting. I haven't gotten to that one in particular yet. I've I've read other stuff that Royal Treatment's put up. It's, he writes excellent stuff. I uh, always enjoy reading his articles on Royal and something that I learned while we were talking earlier on is that he is actually a statistics teacher. Oh, so, that's great. Yeah. So him breaking down like WRC plus and, and WOBA and things like that is, is, is pretty fun, pretty methodical, if you will. But let's let's try and end this podcast on a on a high note, if you will. Jeremy, it's time for Royals Review Reviews, and I would like you to start us off this week. All right. So I just got around to watching a movie last night. Uh, it's it's been out on streaming for a bit, so a lot of people probably already seen it that are going to watch it. But uh, it is Top Gun Maverick, uh, the the twenty something year sequel to the original <laughs> Top Gun. Um, I saw that this movie was coming out this year, and I was like, you know, I should probably watch Top Gun at some point. I'd never seen it, uh, or I, did it come out last year? I don't even remember. Um, Ooh, so then yeah, I, I, I went back and I watched Top Gun a few months ago because it's a classic movie. And I walked away with the impression that if I had watched Top Gun when it came out, I would have absolutely loved that movie <laughs> because I was super into jet fighters when I was a kid. Um, but it didn't really do much for me as an adult. However, Top Gun Maverick builds on everything that happens in Top Gun in a way that that ends up with a really excellent movie that has great it doesn't just have easter eggs or or callbacks but it, it or homages it really builds on what was there before who these characters were especially of course the titular maverick um and and progresses on who who does maverick become in 20 years what what kinds of things haunt him how does he behave what is what's he going to do and um it was really good. Like there were, I mean, it starts off with um, fly into the danger zone again, which is like, that doesn't do anything for the story, but it's like, Oh yeah, that's how you got to start a Tom yeah. Cruise Top Gun movie. You just have to like, it's required, uh, get you in the mood. Um, and then, you know, the rest of the movie was, was really a lot of fun. And, and like I said, they really built on some of the stuff that happened in the, the first movie to give us some even stronger relationships uh, between the pilots and especially between Maverick and some of the other pilots. Um, and if you're into the kind of action movie at all, I would definitely recommend it. Of course, if you haven't seen Top Gun, you're not going to get as much out of it if you don't watch Top Gun first, because you're not going to know what they're building off of. You're just going to know what what they ended up with. Exactly. You kind of... I wouldn't say there's no excuse for not seeing Top Gun, because it feels like it is very much like a, a classic movie, even in its own right. But especially like being in the military, like like myself, like you. Oh, you haven't seen Top Gun? How how dare you, you you sack of bleep? How dare Glad you? Glad I didn't mention it that. before I watched it. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna I'm gonna follow up your review with another movie myself and another review on a movie where you have to see the material before it to really appreciate it. Uh, I just recently, or actually, the last movie I actually sat down and watched. Uh, the Last Kingdom, Seven Kings Must Die. Um, it just it just premiered last Friday on Netflix, and it was immediate watching for myself and my wife. Because 
back in 2015, um, we found a show called the last kingdom and it is very much a, my wife called it game of Thrones light. Um, I, when I was watching it on deployment myself, I was enjoying it more than game of Thrones. I have to respect the storytelling of Game of Thrones, but I very much like Last Kingdom. It is about a character named Uhtred of Bevenberg, who is, let's see, he is born a Saxon, but raised as a Dane. So it's very much a, a historical fiction um, and drama and things like that. But they had they had a good run on the show. Um, they just released the last season in 2022. They started the show in 2015. Um, it started out as a BBC show, but Netflix picked it up. So that's uh, that's kind of a good segue, if you ask me. But to really button up the story, uh, they had the movie Seven Kings Must Die. And it's getting pretty good reviews. Uh, 7.2 stars on IMDb and 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, really a really good, like good feeling finish to the, to it, a nice open-ended ending as well. So you can, your imagination can kind of, uh, take you where you want to go. But if you have seen the show, I suggest watching this movie immediately, but I don't know, Jeremy, did I sell you on last kingdom at all? I feel like I did a bad time in describing the show. <laughs> I mean, when you start off, like you have to respect the storytelling of game of Thrones. I have to ask, I, I have to know the answer to the question. Do oh, no, you don't have to respect the last respect season. The, do I have to respect the story to, uh, of the song, a song of ice and fire? Because, uh, yeah. Because yeah. the game of Thrones went downhill. It did. And it went downhill Very hard. Likely. And so, like, if it's more like the first half of Game of Thrones, which is more like a song of ice and fire, then uh, let's have a conversation. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's, let's talk about this. Here. So let me let but me if actually it's like read the second half of Game of Thrones. I'm gonna take a pass. <laughs> no, it is very much like like season two or season three of Game of Thrones. Not okay. quite as not quite as like visually shocking as season one was. Very much like a it's a slow burn. There are, okay. there are pieces of action. I, I enjoy it. It's not, it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea. I mean, you're, you, I've got some interest. I've got, I, I'm not going to say like, I'm going to go turn it on right this second, but I got some interest. It, it's got Ian Hart in it. If that helps. I don't know who that is. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of like good, big roles. Um, Professor Quirrell and Harry Potter. Oh, I, that's literally the only thing I've seen him in. <laughs> Fair enough. He's he's just like one of those British actors that you that you see in a lot of things randomly. Like, oh hey, I know that guy. I know that guy from the from the Lightning Bolt Kid movie, which is uh, Bolt by Disney in two thousand six. If you haven't seen, oh that. good, yes. oh, I love that movie. <laughs> great, great movie. Ten out of ten. Um, anywho, look, listen, Jeremy, we have held our listeners hostage long enough. Let's go ahead and get out have of here, we, shall we? I think we could do it a little bit longer. I I, I think we can. Uh, I, we think, would have I think to... if we have to record this, they should have to suffer with us <laughs> and stay a little bit longer. So why don't just you go ahead? A little bit longer. Just, just, just a little bit. Okay. 
I I say I'll take I'll take the mic with me. Um, I do need to go make dinner, so maybe we can listen to some sizzling some sizzling pork ASMR sounds for like thirty minutes. Ooh, turn it into an ASMR. Let's do it. I'm I'm down. Let's do it. I I think I think that's the same way. Some sizzling pans. <laughs> some sizzling meat and pans. Yeah. All right. I don't sizzle vegetables, sizzle meat. I don't care if it's sizzling in a pan. I am there. I am ready to listen. <laughs> Fair enough. So on our next uh, episode, why bobblehead followed by sizzling things in pans. All right. <laughs> All right. Listen, if you're still listening, you still know where to find us on social media. You can find myself, Jacob Milham at Jacob Milham KC on Twitter. You can find Jeremy at Hakaius on Twitter with whatever game he is currently playing. But most importantly, you want to go follow Royals review on Twitter and Facebook at Royals review. So everyone who's still around, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for the support. We're going to get through this season together. And until next time, go Royals. I'm going to go cry now. <laughs>